We're so many today. The cold kept some people at home. And for those at home, we welcome you to service. Um, And for those that are here, welcome. Can you put up the prayer, Isaiah 50, uh, verse 4? Let's uh, say that prayer together. One, two, go. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. The Lord God has... Turn away. (laughs) Amen. I got caught that I have not memorized that verse. But that's, that's a very good scripture. Praise the Lord. So tonight we're going to be talking about the unspotted garment. When uh, Pastor told me that I was going to be sharing with uh, the church today, and um, I got that topic from God, I, I was really kind of wondering, because looking at everybody's face here and all the faces that I know around me, We're all spirit-filled, tongue-talking, and very solid Christians. And um, but the Lord said to talk about this tonight. So I just want to encourage you that uh, don't just think at the back of your mind that's not for me, because I've known a few people say, not in this church, say, oh, as that message was going on, I was thinking about brother A, B, C, because. It's really good for that brother or that sister to hear it. So tonight I just want you to open up your heart and hear what God has to say to you. Even studying this uh, touched me a lot. And I, I believe God will touch you tonight. I'm going to start off with a joke that um, <laughs> we, back in Africa, uh, we had mission week at my church the church that I attended, and uh, a missionary came. His name was Brother Bill, but not this one, but Brother Bill. And for the whole week, he was assigned several drivers that were taking him up and down. And of course, you know, in Africa, the church is very spiritual. We're dancing, we're, you know, worshiping and all that. And so the brother came and said, when it was his turn to talk to us, three days into his arrival, he said, when I come to church, everybody is spiritual, everybody's lifting up holy hands and all that. He said, until the drivers get in a traffic, and then you hear some things come out of their mouth that shouldn't even come out of a Christian's mouth. And I, I agree that we all laughed because we knew it was true. In America, maybe we don't have that kind of traffic. But what brings out stuff from people that you don't expect is the politics. So I just want you for a second to drop those things. If you stay tuned to your TV or radio or wherever you get those information or Facebook and all that, please drop it. It's 
that's where I have seen, and I, I think it's a strategy of Satan to actually bring division amongst brethren when we're supposed to be pushing together to get those unbelievers. People are dying out there without Christ. That's what we need to be doing. And so tonight we're going to talk about unspotted garments. Let's open to Revelations chapter uh, 3, verse 1, and, 1 to 6. If he, you have it there. Okay. It says, And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, This thing say he, says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works. That you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. I wasn't even looking for this. I was looking for unspotted, but I found it in this particular chapter. This revelation is talking about when the, the revelation that John had, and he, had, he addressed seven different churches uh, from Revelation chapter 2. But today, we're just going to be talking about this church, the church at Sardis. I want you at the back of your mind to remember that the church, they're talking about the church, they're not talking about unbelievers. So this is for us. It says in verse 2, can you go on to verse 2, please? Okay. It says, be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. For I have not found your works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. You have a few names, even in Sardis, who have not defiled their garments. And they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. I remember OG had her wedding recently. She was wearing a perfectly white garment. I don't know about you, but you can't wear such a garment and be walking through your kitchen. She probably wore that garment and walked straight out of that house because she was conscious of her garment. She wasn't necessarily conscious about the stuff that could stain it. And if you can imagine, I had them put up a picture of a white garment. Can you imagine her walking through the kitchen or walking through somewhere where they had ketchup and it got on that dress? I don't know how that dress would have looked. It probably wouldn't look perfect. You wear, when you know you're wearing something, you're wearing, we're all wearing the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, then there's a way that you will carry yourself. You're not going to carry yourself like any other person that's just wearing like black, like I'm wearing now. I can go anywhere. If dust gets on me, I can do this. And when you see me, you wouldn't even know anything got on it. But if I was wearing a white dress, I'm going to be careful about where I go the places I reach out to, 
So because you are carrying the righteousness of God on the inside of you, you're going to watch what you say. You're going to watch the people that you keep company with. There are some people that you, 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 you just have to give them room. Maybe they are not there yet. You give them space. Because I notice that there are certain people, when you get around them, they'll be saying things. And because you don't want them to feel lonely in the things that they are saying, you want to join them. No. We are children of God. We are different. We carry the presence of God. So when you understand that you are carrying the presence of God as you go to your job, even if the people there are busy cursing and saying stuff, I don't care what led to it, maybe an argument or something, we as believers have to be different. You cannot go there because what are you conscious of? You are conscious of the fact that you are wearing a white garment. You are representing Christ. And just like that scripture we just read, it says, if our garments are spotted, some people will not get there. You'll be surprised. When we go down this study, you will see certain people that appeared to be pure, but they didn't get there because something was wrong. They couldn't get in because something was amiss. So tonight... I know on Sunday, Pastor was talking about uh, people being unprofitable. In fact, when he talked about that, I felt, because I already had this message in my heart going, and I was like, God, is this not going to be too much for the people? But he said, that's what we need to hear, and that's why I'm talking about it. Because he talked extensively on Sunday. If you paid attention, he kept talking about being profitable to God. There's something called the unprofitable servant. So, are you profitable to his kingdom? He's saying that we always ask him, God, give me, thank God for the prayer list. There's nothing wrong with praying for things and for people. But what are we giving back to God? God has his own list, just like the kids have their Christmas list. They are putting it together now for the 25th of December. God has his own list, and there are certain things that he expects from us. Now that we know that we need uh, an unspotted garment, a white garment, to get to, get to heaven, in, 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 I hope we all understand that coming to church, praising God, evangelism and all that, the whole purpose is to meet Jesus someday. Because we need to have that at the back of our mind. The whole purpose is not a social gathering. It's not a business meeting that I come and give you my card. Okay, please, I do this, meet me. No, that's not it. That's not what church is about. And if that's what church has become to you, you've got to question it. And there are so many scriptures that talks about people who started well. If I look at the life of David, David started very well. At a time he said, he's not going to touch the Lord's anointed. At another time, he was taking Uriah's wife and killing him. He became a murderer. That was like a slope. He found himself just going down a slope. He loved God. He, was, he, he actually came into prominence because he loved God and he was worshipping God. He would sing and the evil spirits would leave Saul. Then he came to a point where he had opportunity to kill Saul. He never did it because he said he would never touch the Lord's anointed. Then it came to a time when kings were supposed to go to war. 
He sat down because he was not doing the right thing. He sat down, relaxed. He had, he had uh, achieved uh, purpose. He's now a king and they've relieved him of some duties. There are some duties that you can never be relieved of as a Christian. You cannot be relieved from praying. You cannot be relieved from reaching out to people, the lost. You don't become too big because you are, I don't know whatever to call, maybe the leader of a house fellowship or the leader of a, of a group. You are never too big to do those things. And David thought he was too big. And in that process, he became a murderer. So he did not start out to be a murderer. Church, we did not start out to, be, to deviate. And the, 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 the problem is when that deviation starts to occur, you probably wouldn't notice it on time until it becomes a real big issue. And sometimes some of us just brush it away. Maybe you were praying. When pastor tells us he, he was, when he was a growing Christian, he was praying one hour, praying in tongues. I don't know how many of you have tried it. It's not easy. <laughs> when you pray, after five minutes, you say, okay, ah, it's only five minutes that I've just done this. Okay, God, let me go again. It takes discipline. And because he did it then, should not negate him from doing it now. He needs to still do it now. And that's how you get, you stay in the place where you're supposed to be. Then you will not be in a place where you'll be looking at other people, a woman that is taking a shower at her own time. You will not be, because you will not have time for that. But because David had nothing to do, he, had, he didn't play the instruments anymore, he wasn't doing anything anymore the enemy was able to distract him and got him into big problems. If you're following the first Samuel, second Samuel that we're reading, if you're following the first Samuel, second Samuel that we're reading, you see how David's household was going into some terror. If not for the promise of God that he said he would make his house, uh, he, made a co- thank you. he made a covenant with him that his house would be forever and Jesus had to come through there. That place would have been a mess because it was almost worse than what Saul did. However, David had a heart that longed after God. He kept saying, as the deer pants for the water, so my heart pants after you. He kept pushing and following God. He kept looking for God. He kept seeking God. When they came to him and said, you did this, he did not even bother to argue, which was Saul's problem. He always turned back and said, God, I'm sorry. So tonight we have that opportunity to say, Lord, I am sorry and truly mean it. So we're going to go, what are the things that, spot, that cause our garments to be spotted? What are the possible things? We'll clearly say sin. And what is sin? Sin is a thought or an action that we do that takes us out of line with God's standard. Yeah, your own standard can say that it's okay. I mean, it's just a little, it's just a little lie. Or it's just a little, whatever you think, that thing is little. But by God's standard, what is it? And I want you not to just rationalize sin, because I see a lot of people say, oh, this kind of sin is so terrible, this, that, that. What about the one you're doing in your secret closet? It doesn't have to be something that you think is bad. If God says pray for so and so and you didn't do it, 
out of line? Was that sin? Was that regarded as sin to you? Maybe not. However, to God, that's disobedience. And the Bible says that that's worse than the sin of witchcraft. But I'm sure nobody here is going to say, because I disobeyed God, I'm a witch. Nobody's going to say that. Because you're going to think witch with those horns and all that, whatever picture you have in your mind that a witch is. That's what you're going to be looking at. However, God is saying, once you deviate from his standard, then it is sin. It could be your thoughts. It doesn't have to be your action. So you may be thinking sin. That's sin already. That's what Jesus said. That's what the New Testament tells us. Uh, before, you could say, mm, uh, I didn't do it. I didn't commit that. Mm-mm. You thought about it. That's sin. So how do, we, how do we... Let's look at Galatians 5, 19 to 21. It's a popular scripture. Galatians 5, 19 to 21. I know this is not a message where you hear, oh, it's, it's cool, it's good, but I pray that by the end of today, we will be different forever. Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. Okay, let me find it on my small phone. Okay. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, Fornication, uncleanness, lewdness. Um, go ahead. 20. Idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contention, jealousies, outburst of wrath, selfish ambition, dissension, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Brethren, this is serious business. He, Galatians, at the church, he was, he was addressing, Paul was addressing the church in Galatia. It was a group of people that had come out of the world accepted Christ, they were tongue-talking, they were doing everything that was, they were supposed to do. And he was addressing them like this. Isn't this serious? This is serious. So who are the people? I mean, who was he addressing like that? And then finally he says, they that do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. As much as God is a faithful God, he's also a just God. Uh, a preacher once said, I can't remember, he says, if God does not do something about what we are doing now, I mean, forgive us, then he has to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. And you know that's not going to happen because that, those ones are gone. But he's saying that if God does not punish the disobedience and the sin of today, then he didn't, he didn't need to do what he did with Sodom and Gomorrah. There's so many things that we're seeing today, it's almost like it's worse than, there, than, than that time. And he's saying, I'm still here. Now, when you talk about all these things we read in Galatians 19 and, uh, uh, to 21, it sounds like, okay, jealousy, this. I want you to think in your heart. If you're thinking it, then you've done it. If you are imagining it, 
then you've done it. That's what Jesus came to, you know, explain to us. Before in the Old Testament, you had to kill somebody for it to be regarded as murder. Today, in the New Testament, just thinking that I wish I could kill this person. Uh, I saw a news flash the other day, I think two days ago. Because of this politics problem, somebody shot another person. I don't even know which, who belonged to who. But that's, isn't that crazy? And that's what anger would do. That's what anger that is deeply seated on the inside of you, that's what it would do. So I'm just going to encourage us tonight. Whatever things that we're dealing with individually, faithlessness, that is, you don't, when you don't believe God for what he says he would do, that's also sin. So if you are having issues, I want you to read those scriptures. Maybe when you get home, read through them and figure out how do I walk this walk? Because it's a narrow way. It says narrow is the way. Narrow, narrow. It's not a big place where we just, you know, just sing kumbaya and get there. No. We've got to keep those garments spotless. That garment cannot be... I, I, I love to bleach things a lot at home. In fact, if the bleach doesn't smell like bleach, to me it's not really bleach. <laughs> Even though I know that the chemical composition could still bleach things. So I bleach things a lot. So many times, many of my pants that I use at home, they have spots of bleach. I can't really wear them out. And I can't remove those stains. But the good thing about the stains of these issues, Galatians 19, is that the blood of Jesus is able to remove them. We are able to come to Jesus Christ and get those things removed. And I pray that tonight, before we leave, we all have uh, the opportunity to do that. So how do we keep our garments clean? Because it's almost impossible. All that list, I'm sure everybody has one thing or the, or the other they are dealing with. So how do we keep, how do we keep the garments clean? Staying on the word and staying in the word. That's number one. You've got to stay on the word. Pastor has been talking, stay on the word, stay on the word. That's the only way to keep, and not just staying on the word. I was talking to someone yesterday and she said to me, oh, I played the Bible to sleep. So many of those stories, I know them. That's okay. That's a good thing. But you need to meditate on the word. You need to meditate. When you meditate, it means you actually ponder over the word over and over again and apply it to your life. Uh, when COVID started and even now at our house, we saw that as an opportunity because I'm really busy. So we only kind of gather once a week on Sunday to do family prayer. But when COVID started, it was an opportunity. It was a daily grind for us until even pastor, before pastor started this one. So we were taking one chapter a day. And I had the opportunity to hear my kids share with us what, what I liked about it. When they were sharing with us, they personalized it. They said like, oh, like when this and this happened, uh, when I did this, that was really wrong based on what the word of God says. That's where you need to take that scripture to. Not just reading it, that I have finished so and so chapter, I have finished that and that chapter. You've got to personalize it. There must be something, even if you've heard it over and over again. When I was in fourth grade, my teacher, God bless that woman, she made us recite Psalm 1. Every morning we came to class. It was, the school wasn't a Christian school, 
But she made it her responsibility to teach us Psalm 1 first week. And every morning, before we even say good morning, ma'am, because we had to say good morning, ma'am. I don't know about here. I didn't go to um, the uh, elementary school or anything here. But she, we had to recite that Psalm 1. So we recited it so much every day. When I got to college, they invited a guest minister. And he came and he said he was going to be sharing from Psalm 1. <laughs> so I said, what's going to come out of Psalm 1 that I have never heard? But brethren, when he opened Psalm 1, I had to look at the Bible again and say, is it the same Psalm 1 that I can recite? Is that what this man is teaching on? Like, you know, it's just out of this world. So tonight, whether you've read a scripture before, and pastor is saying we should read it again, or somebody is asking you to read it again, or your devotional, if you're using one of those books, is asking you to read it again, please read it. In fact, if possible, read it in different uh, translations. You would, the, the richness of the Word of God will come to you. And because you're taking time to do that, it's like you're chewing on the Word. You're chewing on the Word. It would digest better inside of you. And it would deal with the situation, whatever the situation is. It would help you handle it. So let's go to Ephesians um, 5, 26 and 27. It says, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water, which is the word of God, by the word, that he might present it to himself. Jesus is trying to present us to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. All the Bible study you're doing personally, the Bible study in church, Sunday school, uh, pastor preaching, everything you're doing is to, pre to be presented to Jesus Christ as the glorious church, the church without blemish. So you've got to stay on that word. It says the washing of water by the word. is the word of God that will help you keep your garments clean. The word of God is our washing machine. It's the place where you can put your... I'm not there with you. Nobody's there with you. It's God. And just do it. It's like when I was uh, going to nursing school. I, then we just got here and I, I was in school. Financial issues were all over the place. And the Holy Spirit said, go and meet those people. I think the work source or workforce. I can't remember what, which name they bought then. Go meet them. I said, no, when, when we first came, they didn't help me. I wanted to do the nurse aid thing. They said I, I, I didn't qualify, so I wouldn't qualify. He said, I said, go there. The thing the Holy Spirit told me is, if you go and they tell you no, I'm the only one that knows that they told you no. So go. So when you open your scriptures and the Lord is showing you stuff about yourself, you are the only one that you and God knows the things, the areas that he's dealing with. Then fix it. Don't, don't bother about whether A, B, C is going to be... They're, they're not there with you. You're fellowshipping. Even as I'm speaking now, you are fellowshipping with God in your mind, in your heart. You are talking to God and dealing with the issues yourself. It, I'm not there. I don't know what it is you're dealing with. You don't know what I'm dealing with. So just fix it. It's good because God is not the one that will embarrass you. He's not going to call you out and say, Oh, Gladys, oh, yesterday you didn't read your Bible. You di mm -mm, he's not going to do that. 
So it's between you and God. Just like it was between me and God when I went to work first. <laughs> Nobody knew whether they denied me or not. And if they denied me, I just walk away with my bag to class. And guess what? They did not because the Holy Spirit asked me to go at that time. And just saying that on their side, they did not deny me. So when you are reading the scriptures, meditating on them, whatever God is saying to you is a personal thing. Do it. Just like Mary told those people when they, when they came and said there was no wine. She said, whatever he says to you, do it. It sounded foolish, but they did it and they got wine. So whatever God is asking you to do or let go of, do it. Pastor Larry usually says something that he said that over and over here. And I laugh every time he says, he says, don't come asking me if it's a sin to drink coffee. If God is telling you to stop drinking coffee, stop drinking coffee. It's a sin to you at that point. Because God knows why he's asking you to stop that. It might look good. It might look like it's not a sin. But if God is saying, stop that backbiting. Stop that. You think it's just gist, just chatting. Stop it. If God is saying, stop overeating, or whatever it is that he's asking you to stop, stop it. Don't go and ask another person whether it's okay. Is it okay if I stop? Or I don't know. Something is just telling me to stop doing this. No. The Holy Spirit is telling you from the Word of God. And, and I want to quickly go. Let's look at James uh, 1, to, uh, to the end. But ye doers of the word, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. You are not deceiving God. You are deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straight away he forgets. Straight away. Go on to the next verse. Forget what manner of man he was, but whoso looketh in the perfect law of liberty, which is the word of God, and continueth in it. So it's not like a, a, a stop sign. It's not like you're just briefly glancing at the word. It says, and you continue therein. He be not a forgetful hearer. Because that's what happens. Have you met people outside the church and say, or maybe you didn't come to church that day, you didn't even open the Facebook thing, and then somebody is telling you, oh, church was awesome today. It was so good. And you say, what did they preach about? Um, ah, I can't remember. That's a forgetful hearer. How is that person going to practice what was said? Mm, it's going to be difficult. So you continue Daring, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. If any man among you seem to be religious, and breedleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart. Remember, this one, you're not deceiving God, you're deceiving your own heart, your own self. He says, his religion is vain. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the father is this, to visit the fatherless, the widows, in their affliction, and to keep himself unspotted from the world. That's that word again, unspotted from the world. The second thing that we need to do is to walk in the spirit. 
Because of time, I want us to go to uh, Matthew 25, 1 to... We'll, we'll get back to Galatians. Matthew 25, 1 to 13. And because of time, I'm just going to paraphrase that story. We all know that story. The Bible says that there were ten virgins waiting for the coming of the bridegroom. We remember that? They were virgins. They were pure in our own understanding. They were holy. They were people that were Christians, just like us, waiting for the bridegroom. We were waiting for Jesus to come. They all had their lamps. They were all carrying their lamps. The foolish ones didn't have extra oil. But the wise ones had extra oil. And in fact, they were so wise that even when the, full, when the trumpet blew, when they, they told them, Oh, uh, the bridegroom is here. Let us quickly uh, go and meet him. The foolish ones woke up and found out that they only had their, oil, their, their lamp, no oil. And they started asking the wise ones, Can we borrow from you? Ah, They said, No, you can't. Ha, if you borrow from me, then both of us will be in darkness. We will not be able to get it. Guess what, brethren? The people had the word. The lamp. The Bible says that thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. They had the word solid on the inside of them. But something was missing. The spirit. The Holy Spirit. The five virgins that were wise, they had the spirit along with the word. You've got to walk in the spirit along with the word. It's not enough to quote the scriptures from A to B. My husband used to say something, that when, you, uh, when what you're saying from your mouth is not lining up with what is in your heart, God sees it, and God is going to deal with you according to your heart. When the women, the virgins, they were all pure people, they were waiting, like we're waiting now for Jesus to come. We are all waiting, but we've got to be careful that we are mixing that word with the Holy Spirit, with the oil. The oil is the Holy Spirit. Jesus, for 30 years, was walking all over this earth. Walking. He was the word, remember? He's an embodiment of the word. The day that he went to get baptized and the Spirit of the Lord the heavens opened and the Spirit of the Lord came, spoke and said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. The Spirit fell upon him. From that day, his ministry took a different turn. It is not okay to just do the Word. You've got to combine it with the Spirit. So you've got to lean and depend on the Holy Spirit. Because the Word of God... And the Spirit is what will get us there. It is not just the Word or the Spirit. Uh, so many, some churches will just do Spirit, 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 and everybody's falling down under the anointing. No Word to stabilize them. That's not good. Some will do Word, 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 no Holy Spirit to guide them, and they become legalistic. Oh, the Bible says, blah, 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 okay, and that's it. No room for the Spirit of God to move in their midst. Tonight, I just want us to give room for the Spirit of God to be coupled with the Word of God on the inside of us, to help us fulfill destiny. The pastor keeps talking about people going out to missions, going out to do things. You can't do that without the Spirit of God. Without the anointing, you can't. 
you get there and you run back. It's not, this, it's, not, it's not a joke. You get there, you see demons for real. You run back. Not just in Africa, there are demons here. Yeah, they're just in a different form. The devil is the devil everywhere. He just takes, he goes into a community, he looks at what he can deal with. You think the drug problem is, uh, is uh, a Holy Spirit issue? No. Those people, it's the demons that are making them do the things that they're doing. If somebody decides to be taking things that are bad for themselves, that's not God. It's the devil. So, tonight, if anything, I just want us to make sure that as we study the Word of God and meditate upon the Word of God, which has the power to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, that we're also coupling it with the Holy Spirit. So before you send that post on your Facebook or Instagram or whatever, ask yourself, am I representing Jesus? Is this a clean garment that I'm showing to the world? As a matter of fact, many of us that have those accounts, anything that does not glorify God, why do, why do you want to post it? Why do you want to post it? And God is sovereign. He will, he will reign and rule over all of us. I'm telling you, even this so-called election that we did, if God wanted to change things, He can change them. He is God. He can do anything. That's the way I believe God. He can do anything. So it does not, it's not me. I can't force whatever God allows to happen. Whatever God allows to happen, let it be. And don't let that become an issue. I see a lot of, I don't have time for Facebook, but the, whenever I get in there, maybe because of church or maybe uh, jewels, I see a lot of things and I'm like, God, people have time. This is a lot of energy. That energy, let's push the word of God front and center. Put a scripture there. Put something that will bless people. Talk about, you can talk about your family. Maybe God has blessed you with something. It's okay, but don't get into a place where you get to. Like I asked somebody one day. We were at the bank. And the person spoke roughly to the cashier. And I tried to make peace while we were there. And then when we stepped out, I said, Can you in good faith preach to that cashier if she steps out of that bank right now? Would you be able to preach? Christ? The person looked at me and said, you know, you're right. Uh, but she, she did something wrong. I said, but what you did now, now makes you unable to reach out to this person if she's unsaved. I said, that's not right. So every time, let's be conscious. I'm not saying be conscious of sin. Be conscious of what you're wearing. Be conscious that you're wearing a white garment. You're wearing Christ, the righteousness of God. You are wearing it. So when you get out there, make sure you are representing him very well. A woman once told me in, my, in the course of my job, <laughs> I visited her and she said, Oh, during my father's funeral, my aunties were being mean to me. So I said something, to my, to, I said something in prayers. I said, God, help me. I just, I just need to take Jesus away from me right now so that I can deal with these people. So she actually literally acted like she was pulling Jesus away from herself. And then she said she faced her aunties and really cursed them out. So when she finished, I said, what if Jesus came at the time that you took him off? He said, because after she did that, she now said, Jesus, come back into my life. 
I know nobody here behaves like that. But please, don't do that in your action or your thoughts. Make sure that your garments remain unspotted because that's the, that's the only way we can get in there. Those other five foolish virgins could not get in. When they came back, they now got, they bought it. They bought the oil. They came back. And the bridegroom said, I never knew you. Which means they expected him to know them. I expect Jesus to know me. I'm hoping to get my own mansions when I get there. I'm hoping, though, you know, um, a sister recently passed. And, you know, when people pass and you're at a funeral, (laughs) think about yourself. And as I was there during that funeral, a whole church came into fruition because of her life. How many churches have come into existence because of you? A whole church. The pastor of the church gave a testimony. He said, I wasn't a Christian, but I saw her one day. They were friends. So your friends know you. And he looked at her and said, what happened to you? You're so peaceful. And she got into him and said, I got Jesus. Sister Jennifer said, I got Jesus. And the man said, I want what you have because he looks peaceful. He got saved. He became a pastor of a big church. Brethren, how many people and members of his church were testifying that, oh, we thank God for her because because of her we have a pastor like this. How many people can say things like that about you? How many people have you brought to the Lord? How many people have you followed up? That's an assignment from God. You follow them up. Somebody followed me up. And by the grace of God, I have followed a few people up, but not enough. Because I need a very big crown, a big mansion. Because remember, the, the people like Paul have gone before us. And you want to imagine what kind of crowns those people had? They were walking with God. We've got to walk with God. We've got to allow the Word and the Spirit of God to take preeminence. So I'm going to give us a few minutes. Let's bow down our heads. And whatever it is you're dealing with, talk to God about it. He's not um, a man that he will lie. He says if we come to him, he's faithful. He would hear us. He would forgive us. He would give us a fresh start, whatever that fresh start is, whatever the situation is. So just talk to him tonight. Ask him to help you to be that which he has created you to be. There used to be a song we sang that I was born to be. I was born to be his dwelling place, a home for the presence of God. When you carry the presence of God, the spots, you will avoid those spots, those things that would stain you. It says, let my life now be a sacrifice. Let it now be like a sacrifice to you. And a sacrifice any day, a sacrifice that is from the heart, God takes it. God accepts it. So tonight, let's talk to God. Just as we are, without any plea. Because of the blood of Jesus, He's able to restore and bring us back to where we need to be. And so, Father God, we thank you for tonight. We ask, O oh God, that even as we have requested Let our slates be clean again. Give us a fresh start. 
to start all over again with you. That the things that break your heart will break our hearts. And the things that make you excited would excite us. Lord, help us. In Jesus' name, amen.